Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 hello. It's Let's Talk Trains on a Wednesday evening, which is uh, unusual, but it is the best time for us to get together tonight for a special show we have for you, review of the 2019 NRHS Convention, 24 Hours of Saginaw, and the recent 261 trips. And I'll bring on right now our other host, and hopefully um, we'll get another one, Chris Ginsler, the the amazing Chris Ginsler. You're live with Let's Talk Trains, Chris, if you're there. Yes, I am. I'm right here, Skip. All right, good, good, good. And we're waiting for Elizabeth to call in whenever she's, she's ready. She's but... going to call in about 7.15. That's fine, that's fine. Well, uh, Chris, you know, uh, we can get started right away. Um, yeah, let's get I, started. I just, it's it's open mic. It's open free. It's it's whatever we got going on. So uh, yeah. why don't you let me introduce the convention, and then I'll let you chime in with the activities, and we'll just uh, take it from there well, well, until Elizabeth I want to talk about how I got there, too. Uh, okay, we can do that. Well, let me, let me just set it like this. I won't get into anything. I just want to let people know. The NRHS convention uh, was dubbed the Golden Spike Rails Convention. Uh, many organizations participated. If, if, if you're living under a rock, um, then you know that the uh, the world celebrated the driving of the Golden Spike uh, May 10th of 1869, this past May 10th, uh, 2019. And the NRHS, National Railway Historical Society, uh, had their convention held during this time between uh, May 7th and uh, May 11th. So without further ado, uh, Chris and myself both had had uh, activities previous to this. I'm going to let Chris get started. Chris, if you'll bring us right up to day one. Uh, of yes, the I will. And, and, then, and then let me share what I did, and then we'll both get into the convention along with Elizabeth. Take it away, Mr. Ginsler. All right. Well, I drove to Salt Lake City because I wanted to have my car, and it was a lot cheaper to do that. So we left, caught our first train out at the Afton Canyon. It was a UP eastbound with a CSX engine in the consist. Then we drove to Boulder City and did the Nevada, Southern Railroad of Nevada, saw all their equipment they have there. They have a very nice equipment equipment down in Boulder City. From there, we went to the Lake Mead National Recreation Area and drove through that to get to the place I really wanted to go to was Valley of the Fire State Park, and that place was incredible for rocks and color and everything else. I came back from a trip and I into Vegas. We flew right over it, and I said to myself, if I ever get there, I'm going to go. So I did, and it was really worth the time. That night, we stayed in Cedar City. Next morning, we went to McDonald's, which was everything but the drive-thru was closed for reconstruction. So we uh, took that down to the UP Cedar Cedar City UP station, shot pictures of that before we hightailed it up to Milford and followed the old L.A. and Salt Lake UP line. We had a train, but we could not get to it. So north of Lindell, if you've ever seen a stack train back up, it's interesting. They had two guys on the rear end of it to protect the shove, and then they Mm -hmm. had to set up 
one of the cars in uh, Lindell, so they backed up about seven miles to do it. Mm. So that was the first train we shot. Next, near Jericho, we caught this UP train on a real great S curve. And that shot was one of the best ones I shot of the whole trip, I think. And then from there, we caught another train at Clover Valley. We stopped by the Thule Valley Railroad Museum, and they have a steam engine and a couple of their cabooses on display and some other equipment. Next, Mm -hmm. we stopped by the Salt Air Pavilion, where the Salt Air Railroad used to run out to. And then we caught that same UP train we caught in Clover Valley coming by the old smelter at Smelter, Utah. From there, we drove down to um, Brigham Canyon Visitor Center, where now you pay five bucks and they take you on the bus into Bingham Canyon. Mm. And it was my first time back there, first time I ever went. It was with the electric locomotives. Now it's all conveyor belted out. Mm-hmm. So then from there we went to Park City, found the Park City UP station, and then managed to get our hotel. It was one of these places you had to drive across town to get the key for the thing, and then you go back over and find where you are. Well, the next morning I got up, I walked a mile of the old UP right away, which is now a hiking and biking trail, before we went to Heber Valley. On this day, everything worked out right. We got to ride the train all the way down to Vivian Park. Very beautiful trip, and uh, had a good time on that train before we drove back up to um, uh, Park City. Next morning we got up, we had to then get rid of the key. We stopped by McDonald's for our usual hotcakes and sausage for breakfast before we went to the Lagoon Amusement Park. We paid our 13 bucks for parking and then got into the park free because of Jimmy Sirlight. He was expecting us, and he walked us back to the railroad where we got to shoot the steam train on the loop coming back into the station and then they took us out before the park opened around the tracks mm. and that train was very interesting because it was one of those crown built locomotives 040 and we took that on you cross the bridge along the lagoon and then you come by cross another trestle and then you come by their zoo at the lagoon park and the first animal we saw was a lion, and he was licking his chops at us. I'm going, mm. I'm glad he's behind that fence because he looked like he wanted right. to have me for breakfast, I told Robin. Mm. And they have quite a collection of animals in there. And as if you want to follow along, people, just go to my website, which is www.trainweb.org slash Chris, and you can follow along with me. So... After that, we rode the train. Jimmy took us over to the old Rattlesnake Railroad, which is now just the engine from that and some mine cars. And then he took us over to the Lagoons Railroad Museum. 
And in the Lagoon Railroad Museum, we got to see a very good collection of Lionel and uh, American Flyer stuff. And as railroad museums go, this one was one of the better ones I had seen of toy trains. So from there, we went out to Promontory Point. Now, the first thing I did, I made Robin walk the big fill trail with me. Well, that big fill was built by the Chinese, and paralleling it was a line that was built by the UP, which they used only for 18 months. The UP, mm. where the Big Phil is, built a trestle. And after just 18 months, that trestle collapsed. Oh. So they then built the tracks back on the old Chinese right away. And uh, uh, when you see the only thing from space you can see is the Great Wall of China. I'm sure if you looked hard enough from space, you could probably see the Big Phil if you knew where to look on the Earth. It's that impressive. So then we drove over to the Promontory Visitor Center, and we had the whole place to ourselves. So I got pictures of the Jupiter, and I got pictures of the 119 with nobody in them. And then I shot a shot back across the desert with the two engines and a couple of people are in that picture but I didn't care. Mm-hmm. So after that we drove down to the lagoon, no to the spiral jetty. That's about 22 miles to the northwest and it is really an impressive thing to see. Now of course with the lake level of the lake, the lake is not as high on the north side so the jetty is dry. So after we walked up the hill, after I walked up the hill to get the good picture looking down on it, Robin and I walked out onto the lake. And it's a great place to do panoramic pictures of the whole valley with the Great Salt Lake in front of you. You can see all the way up to Idaho and all the way over to Promontory Point, the actual point. So then we came back to the National Park, National Historical Site, and we took the East Auto Trail on our way back, and that was really nice, and uh, we then found a Malad local on, in uh, Corinne, Utah, and then we went down to uh, Brigham City and caught another UP train that blocked the crossing for about 45 minutes, and uh, I ended up having to walk around the front end of him to the chagrin of not the chagrin of the conductor who wasn't too happy with me doing it. He blew the horn mm. at me. Mm. I couldn't. That was the only way I could get back to the car, which was on the east side of the tracks. Mm. So we stayed there well, that I- night. Brigham City that night. The next morning, we drove east to Evingston. We stopped by Devil's Slide for a picture. That's really an impressive geological feature. And then drove on over to Evingston. They were expecting me at 8.30 in the morning, so we got to visit the roundhouse and see the inside of it and all the equipment they have. They have three engines out in front. 
And then from there we uh, waited for the big boy to come in. And, of course, I made the mistake of we were on the station side. We should have stayed on the station side because mm. we were on the side with the track the track it came in on and it was just not a good scene people were running in front of me when the train was right. coming in and it wasn't a great mm. picture i left evingston with a bad taste in my mouth no so we then drove back over checked out the spot we were going to shoot the double header when it came down at the highway west point Stopped by uh, Heber City for some Colonel Sanders before we drove down to Soldier Summit and caught two trains on Soldier Summit that afternoon. Stayed at the Riverside Motel. And then uh, that was really nice. And then we, uh, you have a stream outside your back window with the water running, so that was really fabulous to be at. And so the next morning we got up. I sh- we took Robin out to Castle Gate and we caught Amtrak coming through. And then we went back to the grade crossing by the Riverside Motel and caught the train coming by there. Mm-hmm. So then we had a 10-unit westbound train come through. It was one of these two on the point, two on the rear, and six in the middle. I figured I could just let him go and and probably catch him after Soldier Summit after he cut the six units out. So then we caught the train at Narrows, coming and going there. And then I got the great idea, let's catch him coming out of the Thistle Tunnels. That was, of course, built after the Rio Grande Zephyr had come through there. And the Rio Grande Zephyr came through, and then the whole side of the mountain came down on the tracks. Mm-hmm. So to get the mm-hmm. Zephyr oh. back to Wyoming, I mean back to Colorado, they had to run it across Wyoming on the UP. And the tracks were closed for about five months while they built the two new tunnels in Thistle. And there was a lake behind where it came down and it was called Thistle Lake and all the houses that had been down in Thistle were beached up on the uh, end of the lake for years before they finally t- took them down so we got down we were kept driving west and then I said Robin I said you know what we had we need to see a BNSF train Sure enough, as soon as I say that, around the corner comes a BNSF train. We shoot him there, and then we shoot him at the east side of the Thistle Tunnels. So I got pictures on both sides of the Thistle Tunnels. From there, we stopped by McDonald's down in Spanish Fork, and then we drove on to stopped at Walmart, and then we drove on down to the Jordan Narrows. And the Jordan Narrows is that canyon between, tight little canyon there that is between Provo and the Salt Lake Valley. And we caught two of the frontrunner trains there. Mm-hmm. From there, we then drove into Salt Lake City to the convention hotels, signed in, got our stuff, and then discovered our rail passes wouldn't be any good that day. So basically, it was going to be okay. 
let's go ride Elizabeth and I decided we'd go ride the light rail. So we took the first train that came in from someplace in the west and took it to where we had to get off to walk around the construction at the junction. Took that train down to Draper, came back to the next junction, took the next train down to East Parkway, Sunrise Parkway. To get mm-hmm. off that, took the next junction up to Center Point, took that train down to the end of that line, came back. Center Point is where the Utah streetcar is, took the streetcar up to Sugar House, had lunch mm-hmm. at the Habit. And then we came back. No, Robin and I did this. That's right. Robin and I did this. And then I lost Robin, so I went back down to the junction, Junction, got off, walked over to the South Library Station, did the rest of the red line up. And that line is the one that climbs and goes around the university and climbs the hills. Did that line and really liked that line. Came back down to the South Library, came back, came back to the hotel. Probably mm-hmm. the biggest shock I had, I found Chris Parker there, of all people. Mm-hmm. And he's a friend from Southern California, and so we talked for a bit with him. So from there, we did the... Um, okay, and then the next morning was the morning I went up, got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and drove out to... The rest area in Echo Canyon and watch the big boy come in. So that gets us up to my participation. No, not yet. So then we came back in. To, well, what what we did was we drove out and doubled back to there, got there at 6 o'clock. Bob and Elizabeth mm-hmm. soon joined us. Elizabeth joined me up on the hill. Robin went on the far hill. Bob went down to the rest area, so we got it got it coming by us in three locations. So then Bob and Robin chased the thing to Ogden. Elizabeth and I then drove back down to Salt Lake City. We rode the line down to the Amtrak station, took the front runner train up to Ogden where I shot the uh, Utah Railroad Museum's collection of things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we came, after doing that, we walked over and saw them setting up for the nose-to-nose thing the UP was going to be doing. Then came back and saw the 844 from the station over there by the yard office on the west side of the yard, came over the flyover and saw the big boy sitting down by itself on the east side of the flyover. So then we came back to Salt Lake City, got off, took the train back, wrote that story, came back, got on the trolley, went out to the airport. So now I did all the possible miles of that system I could have done. Stopped off at the Fairport Park Station, walked over to where the... Salt Lake and Garfield Station was, Roundhouse was, well, shop building was, shot the NRHS Promontory Group car there, shot their new switcher they had there, and then shot the building, and then shot a historic plaque, came back to the hotel. So that's all my stuff up to the convention. All right. 
Uh, very good, Chris. That's great. Uh, a lot of stuff you covered there on your way into the convention uh, week. Uh, I, we got a call in. I assume it's Elizabeth. Let me bring her on and, and make sure and get her in on the conversation. Um, Elizabeth, uh, area code 425, is that you? Yes, it is, Skip. How are you? I'm very good, very good. I'm glad you joined us. Uh, Chris Chris just kicked us off with the show. He, he uh, told us his lead-in activities up to Tuesday uh, of the first day of the convention. I'm getting ready to talk about my adventure into the to the convention, and if you have something to share on your pre-days into the convention, uh, we'd like for you to share it. So um, without further ado, let me just jump into mine. Um, you know, I noticed as I looked at Facebook and looked looked around the, uh, uh, you know, info webs, everybody had an adventure coming to this convention. Depending on where you came from, people included all kind of activities. And Chris just demonstrated what he does. Of course, Chris is a veteran. He does that stuff all the time. But um, I also uh, did a few stops along the way. I brought a newcomer. His name was, uh, well, I nicknamed him Railroad Bill, but his name is Bill uh, Williams. Uh, God, I hope I got his name right. But Bill's a member of the North Texas Chapter National Railway Historical Society. And Bill's an older gentleman. He's a software analysis. He says, you know, Skip, the, the two worst people in the world are lawyers and, and software developers. And I go, why is that? Because, because well, lawyers are self-explanatory and software developers, well, they work every problem in the worst-case scenario. So they're worried about everything, you know. And I go, how is that going to apply to our trip? Well, it applies because he wants to make sure we hit all our benchmarks on time, get to the hotel, get checked in, all this stuff, which I don't have a problem with that. But when, you, when you're when you on a vacation, you want to stop and smell the roses, you know, and see the sights. And so so we, we ventured out of Dallas on a Friday evening very late. We, we held up in a town called Childress. Texas, and I knew in Childress there was going to be a steam locomotive, so the next morning, the first thing we did before we got out of town, we ran over to the city park, and we shot a Pacific number 501 for the Fort Worth and Denver Railroad. It's nicely restored. It's under a uh, a built uh, shelter, although open on all ends, you know, it's just like a big uh, shed. And uh, it's protected from the elements that way. Um, inside the cab, almost all the hardware is still there, all the knobs and gauges. It's actually pretty amazing that it hasn't been pilfered at this point. But it's not easy to see this locomotive. You can't see it off the, off the uh, main road through town. You have to go look for it. So um, it's something I recommend you do anytime you're passing through Childress, Texas. So that was our first stop. We got a bunch of photos. We moved on to Amarillo. And, of course, everybody knows in Amarillo is the Madam Queen, which is a 2104 locomotive, Santa Fe, number 5000. And it's in downtown Amarillo, so we went and visited her, and she's doing nicely, although she has r rusted rods or what appears to be rusted rods. We don't know if that is a chemical on the rods to protect it or is it is it rusty. So uh, I don't know, but it's... It's there in its big Texas glory. And then from Amarillo, uh, we pushed on, uh, of course, when you're traveling Route 66, or in this case, Interstate 40, uh, and you're out in the middle of the desert in New Mexico, everybody's got to stop at Klein's Corner. 
and uh, it's a travel center. It's it's one of those you know touristy trap places, but you go in, everything Indian is in there. Uh, I got myself a picture with a buffalo head. There's you know skeletons and uh, all kind of things. They actually did sell a little a little train engine to push around, so there was the train content there. But so we visited Clyde's Corner, got us a nice fresh drink. Back on the road to end up in Winslow, Arizona, and and we stayed at the historic Harvey House. Uh, forgive me if I don't say this right. The La Posada or P O S A D A. La Posada. La Posada. The La Posada. Yeah. Well, La Posada is not only a Harvey House hotel, it's an actual Amtrak stop for the Southwest Chief, if you, if you can believe it. So um, uh, this was Bill's idea. It's, it's, a, it's a little more priced hotel. Uh, uh, definitely the Southwestern flavor, uh, Adobe flavor, uh, lots of art. Um, the history of this hotel goes way back not only being a Harvey house, but lots of celebrities and presidents and, you know, high muckety mucks have stayed at this hotel over the years, uh, being that is uh, right on the railroad. So Bill got himself a room right on the tracks. He wanted the traffic, you know, the BNSF uh, Transcon is just right out the, the back door of this hotel, or should I say the front door in the time it was built. And, and uh, he caught Amtrak come through at 5 in the morning, and I slept through all that. I got me a nice little room, you know, upstairs around the corner. Every room had a Hollywood name on it. Uh, I forget the name of the Hollywood star I stayed in. The other interesting thing about the hotel was um, no telephone, no microwave, no real amenities, just a good old bed. They did have an air conditioner and, uh, you know, a nice period setting amenities. So it was definitely a step back in time. I recommend it. We ate at the restaurant the night before. It was the Turquoise Room, uh, another Santa Fe favorite. There's also four railroad cars on this property. One's a dome car. It's being restored for uh, future accommodations. We weren't able to see it. Uh, There's a second car owned by the hotel, and then there were two visiting cars, which I think are temporary. So the next morning, uh, on the way out of town of Winslow, you can't leave Winslow without Standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, which we did. We went and found that corner. Um, did you get your picture I got the, taken? I got by him. I got my picture standing on the corner. Um, I also got my picture with Glenn Fry, I guess, the yep. other statue that was there. Uh, they did have a, a flatbed Ford um, parked on the street, and I went ahead and found the first cute girl I could find and said, Come over here. I want you to stand by this truck and act like you're, you know, giving me a look. And she did, so that was fun. Before <laughs> we left Winslow, we were uh, running along the tracks, and we noticed some uh, maintenance of way equipment. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So we pulled back around, and I guess this is where uh, the Winslow station was, or there's a, a place called Winslow Station with Santa Fe influence, and they had a big uh, a hook there from Amarillo, painted in uh, blue with yellow Santa Fe lettering, five uh, Santa Fe cabooses, and then uh, a support car for the uh, the hook train. Anyway, a nice exhibit. It, it's set up like a park, and uh, you get to walk up next to it and all this stuff. One of the interesting signs I saw when I got there, it said, warning, 
danger, do not climb on railroad cars because all the ladders were close by. And then after being there about 20 minutes, I got a picture of a young man, a local, who was high up on top of the cupola roof along with that sign that says, warning, danger, do not climb. So I guess the locals don't read very well. No, they don't. Uh, from there, yeah, I guess not. From there, uh, we headed north uh, towards Utah through Arizona. We got across the Utah state line, and our stop that night was the Caboose Village in Candy Rock, uh, Utah. I don't think that's the original name of the town, but it is the name of the town now, and it's named after Candy Rock Mountain Resort. And and there's actually, uh, when you get there, there is a facade or a side of the mountain that's colored, I guess, in what you would say, yellow and white. It looks like a bunch of sulfur. Uh, and I asked about the mountain, and they said, yeah, they named it Candy Rock Mountain, and there's uh, some kind of candy stream or something in the back. And, and in this area, the uranium was pushing against, uh, I don't know, gold or sulfur or something, and it made the color of the the mountain. Anyway, some man worked for the railroad. There used to be a narrow-gauge railroad that came through this area during the mining days. It's not there anymore. It's abandoned. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he worked for the railroads, and it was just his little dream. He started buying cabooses and boxcars and whatnot, converted them into overnight cabins, and we stayed in the Rio Grande uh, uh, caboose. It had a cupola. There was a bed up top, but no curtains, so I didn't stay in that. I stayed in the the other side of the caboose, and Bill stayed in the front side. But there's a nice porch and a barbecue pit, and you really could stay and hang out and enjoy the stream and enjoy the the countryside. So, so we uh, we were starving. There was nothing to eat in the area. It's a little bitty sleepy town, so we had to drive. 15 miles to get something to eat, come back, sleep. We heard a grizzly bear that night uh, roaming around, although we were safe in our caboose, so nothing happened, but uh, definitely out in the wild. Uh, if you ever visit there, they have at least, oh, I don't know, 10 cabooses, um, two uh, boxcars converted into suites. Um, it's priced about 100 125 I think, uh, a night. We were there. Apparently, we were there off season, so uh, we got the, our choice. I think we were the only one on the property besides the maintenance man. So, so that was our our night there. And then we took off the next morning and made it all the way to Ogden um, or Salt Lake. I dropped off Bill at the hotel, and I drove up to Ogden uh, the day before the convention to to see where Chris saw the assembling of the. Um, UP site where they were going to join the locomotives and quickly got a few shots of Union Station before all the chaos began and uh, was treated to a live broadcast of the local TV station. And the mayor was there and the, 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 the afternoon TV personalities were there and they were talking about all the activities and everything that was about to happen. And, and so I, what I did was, uh, you know, these little scooters you can rent in town. So I'm renting me a scooter so I could run up and down and see this stuff. And I intentionally drove my scooter behind the broadcast live. So that's how I got on TV. And, you know, the police are looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, and I just scooted along. And then they said, oh, okay. photobombing their show. Exactly. Exactly. 
and I asked them, is this recorded? They said, no, it's live. And so there's no way to prove that that fun activity happened. So that brings me up to uh, the, the, the day before or, or, or Tuesday or, or uh, whatever uh, before, yeah, Tuesday. And um, so now I'd like to uh, turn it over to Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth, did, do you have any fun activities when you left your home up to the day of the convention? Absolutely. So um, I was I this year I was asked well, actually it was last year but last year I was asked to be on the convention committee for this convention and next year's. So obviously we did have to leave earlier than we probably otherwise would have. So Sunday, May the 5th, we flew from Seattle to Salt Lake City, checked into the hotel, and then rode the red line out to Daybreak and back to uh, Salt Lake Central. One of my other hobbies is musical theater, and the musical Aladdin was uh, playing at the Eccles Center in Salt Lake. And we had actually seen basically a preview of Aladdin when it was here in Seattle. The Fifth Avenue Theater had a... um, sort of a, an early tryout of it a couple of years ago. And so it was we definitely wanted to see the full the fully um the fully fledged version of the show, which was excellent. So that was our Sunday. Then Monday we drove um just looking at my notes here, we took the front runner up to Ogden and um I don't think Bob had ever been there before and I know I I certainly haven't so we took photos of all the um, equipment on display outside and the UP passenger cars, and then we went through the um, U- experience UP car, which unfortunately we had to pay for. I thought we would, as it was the week of the, all the celebrations, I would have thought it would be free for anyone, but it wasn't. So then we, after we did, a little, did all that, we got back on the front runner, and rode the full line down to Provo, and then went from Provo back to Salt Lake Central, rode um, another part of the red line, and um, went to one of our favorite restaurants, the Old Spaghetti Factory, for dinner. Then Tuesday, um, naturally we wanted to go to Promontory before all the crowds descended upon it on the Friday. So we drove up to Promontory and took photos of the engines in the engine house. They weren't doing any more public um, recreations because, um, because they were getting ready for for the main celebration, but we had a free range of the engine house, so I got some good photos there. Then we drove out to Spiral Jetty. We were able to take photos of that, and unfortunately there was, the tide was out, but it was a lo- much longer drive from Promontory to Spiral Jetty than I expected, but it was well worth it. And I was quite impressed. There was a plaque explaining about the history of Spiral Jetty. And my boss is very involved with the Boy Scouts of America. And so I've become aware of, of DSA and I help him with his volunteer work. And I was very impressed to see that the plaque was, was an Eagle Scout project. Yes, it was. So then we um, the registration desk opened at two o'clock, and being on the committee, I my services uh, could have been needed. So we left Spiral Jetty and stopped at Brigham City for lunch at the Old Grist Mill, which is an excellent um, little. Well, it's an old mill, and it's. Um, it's a restaurant, and they make all the food on you know 
for you. It, it was a really, really nice little you know, place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, then we drove back down to Salt Lake City, and I did help with the registration room. And then actually, yes, on the um, where we still were at Brigham City, we stopped at the old station and took a couple of photographs and actually got got inside and were able to take photographs and buy a couple of souvenirs. Then, to say, we came back to Salt Lake City. I did some help with registration, met up with Chris and Robin, and then, of course, um, Wednesday morning we got up, all got up early and drove over to Echo Canyon and the incredible red rocks um, reminded me of Sedona and the um, scenery, unfortunately in the drizzling rain and pouring rain, part of it. And the mud. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. And the, yes, and the mud to catch the um, big boy and the 844 come through. So that was, that was incredible. So my mm-hmm. photos turned out very well, which I was very pleased with. So then after after we after we finished photographing the big boy, Chris and Elizabeth wait, 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 wait. drove who, back who is to this mystery voice. Who's the mystery voice? Introduce yourself, Mr. Elizabeth. Mr. Elizabeth, welcome, Mr. Yes. Elizabeth Alkire, Bob. We're glad to have you on <laughs> Let's Talk Trains. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bob. Anyhow, afterwards, Chris and Elizabeth drove back to uh, Salt Lake City. Robin Bowers and I chased uh, uh, 4014 and 8444 uh, on into Ogden. And Robin was able to get some incredible photographs uh, because the train was stopped just outside of Ogden for some reason or another. Um, So we had a great time with that. We stopped for lunch. I had to return the rental car, so we went back down to Salt Lake City, turned it in at the airport, um, had to go back to the hotel to do a couple of things, both of us. Then Robin and I got on um, uh, Front Runner, and we rode it down to Provo and back, and in the meantime, got stuck on Front Runner because they were having mm-hmm. signal problems. Oh. On uh, Wednesday afternoon, so we got um, we ended up being about I don't know thirty forty minutes late getting back into Salt Lake City. Um, So that was that was kind of the um, I'm not sure what Chris and Elizabeth did after they got back to Salt Lake, but that's what that's what Robin and I did. All right, so we went up to to the. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so this, we, so this Chris and I went up to Ogden. On on uh, Tuesday? On the Wednesday. On the Wednesday, okay. After the, right. after the big right. boy well, at Echo Canyon. Right, okay. So that's what I want to bring us to next is, so we've covered all our pre-travels. So now let's take it a day at a time at the convention. Let me set it up, and then we'll start with Chris again, and we'll each share our experiences for the day. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So, yeah. um, so, so the convention for the National Railway Historical Society, we hosted our convention. Registration was a Tuesday, May seventh. That's just checking in. There's nothing, no activities on that day. And then Wednesday was the first day of our activities. 
and basically it was um, uh, the light rail tour. The light rail tour. Oh, and and uh, and the uh, activities that evening, and the and the clinics and all that stuff. So it was kind of an on your own thing, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, the light rail tour started at eight, went to noon. And then we had programs for the historic Union Pacific Farmatory Summit presentation. Uh, cab ride tickets went on sale. We'll get into that later. The NHS annual meeting was from 3 to 4. And then that evening we had audiovisual presentation where uh, His Majesty, editor of Trains Magazine, Jim Wynn, introduced Journey to Promontory uh, DVD program. So uh, I don't really have anything to contribute much but I'll say what I know. Chris, on Wednesday, anything unique happened for you? For that I already day? said what I did on Wednesday. You did? Okay. Elizabeth, anything unique for you on Wednesday? No, I've already explained what we You've did. You've already done it too? Well, then all I'm going to say is um, uh, I had to open up a registration table. Elizabeth said how she was a uh, new committee. By the way, Elizabeth, we, we love having you on the committee. Welcome. We're glad to have you on the Convention committee. Thank you. Um, I set up a, a sales table. My chapter has a, a book, Southern Pacific Eastern Western Lines, uh, Eastern Lines. I'm sorry, of the Southern Pacific. So we sold that. I sold some big boy prints, and then um, helped with the uh, committee uh, sell open seats on um, the promontory list, and did that most of the day until the evening, where uh, I introduced Jim Wren for the uh, Journey to Promontory. It's a DVD program. It's sold by Trains Magazine. If you want a, a nice historical perspective on all the events related to Promontory, I recommend the DVD. All right, so that's Wednesday. Now let's move on to Thursday. Thursday was the first big day of activities. Um, it was the Union Pacific Ceremonies in Ogden. This is a really an Ogden celebration, not an NRHS thing, but the NRHS provided you an opportunity to buy a, a – a week pass on the uh, trunk runner and light rail system. <clears throat> and then that morning you get up and we go. So, Chris, you take it away. How was your Thursday? Well, my Thursday started early. It started at for the 624 train to Ogden. So we took the light rail from the arena station, which was about a block, about two blocks, short walk. It wasn't far from the Radisson Hotel where the convention was based. Took that down to Salt Lake Central, where I met about seven or eight NRHS members. We all rode in the same car up to Ogden. We had a good time. I took Robin to breakfast at that railroad car diner at the north end of the parking lot. I had a huge pancakes and some bacon, so I was very happy. Robin had his meal. He was very happy. It was cold and windy on that morning. So then we walked over to the depot. I walked into the depot trying to find out where the press was supposed to be. Well, this little girl sees me. She said, I'll take you over to it. I said, thank you, my dear. So we walked through security, (laughs) and they looked into our bags and checked everything. And then we headed on around to the far end, found the press tent where we were giving our Union Pacific press passes for this event. And uh, so that allowed us to be right down at the front 
where I wanted to be. So, of course, I'm sitting there, and I've got my first walk all the way over and get a good shot of the 844, and I'm in my spot, so when the big boy comes by me, I'm ready for it. And what was kind of funny about this whole thing was, you know, 844 had been sitting there, so every time that engine would just release some smoke, the crowd went nuts. So the crowd would cheer, and then it would whistle, and the big boy down there would whistle, and they did this whistling contest back and forth, and then the front-runner trains would come on the bypass. He would honk, 844 would honk, the big boy would honk, and they were all just having a good time honking at each other. So about half an hour before the production the nosing was going to happen. They put on these videos, big video screens, some presentations. Well, I had to get people from our group to turn around and look at it because they were totally oblivious. They thought something was going to happen in front of them when it was all happening behind them. Mm. And the UP mm-hmm. put on a very good show. This was strictly a Union Pacific production. And it was really quite nicely. And then they had a little, okay, this is the you know, director, CEO of the Union Pacific Railroad to the 4014. 40, Come in. 4014, you have my permission to start your move down to us. Do you copy that? Yes. 4014 has permission from the UP CEO to make the move. So then he starts moving, and about that time a front rail train comes across, and he's going really slow, and I'm going, he just wants to spoil everybody's picture. Right. But he right. kept that on going. Right, that was a photobomb. Yeah, yeah, what a photobomb that was. Go ahead. Photobomb. So he just kept on going. He got out of sight, and then they brought in the 8-4, I mean the 40-14 across. I got some good pictures of that. And then got the nose to nose from that location, so I did really well with my pictures. Okay. All right, Elizabeth, That's... what's your fun activities for that day? Well, this was the um, start of my participation as a uh, well, the bus. Not that the buses were involved in this, but the bus host coordinator and um, c- convention committee member. So I had organized certain um, hosts to either be in the lobby directing people to the arena station because the hotel was basically in the middle of arena station and Temple Temple Square station. Then I had two other hosts um, down at the arena station and then another one down at the Salt Lake Central Station all in our um, red vests, just to make sure that everyone got on the correct train and over to Salt Lake Central to get up to Ogden because we didn't want people getting on the Green Line train out to the airport or something. So that all worked well. And then Bob and I got on the 825 front-runner train up to Ogden. Um, I think, Bob, you went up on the grandstand, didn't you? Yeah, I kind of, I, I, by the time, <coughs> excuse me, by the time we got there, the place was well mobbed and trying to get up close was next to impossible. So there were a bunch of grandstands back toward the back. So, and they had a, a bunch of 
a, f- a few empty seats. So I worked my way up into the grandstand and went up to the top of the grandstand and took all of my photos from there. Right. And I um, was able to get into the um, handicapped area, so I was able to get some good photos of 844 without people. And then I had to move out because, of course, I'm not handicapped. Um, but I, I managed to get some you know, semi-decent photos. I was in fr- basically in front of the stage area. So so I did all that, um, saw all the nose-to-nose stuff. And then once that was over, I didn't really want to spend – I didn't really need to spend any other time there. So – met up with Chris, and we uh, walked back to the station and rode the whole line of front runner down to Provo and then back to um, Murray Central where we took the S-Line streetcar um, for the first, well, for my first time and um, had, lunch had, a, at the Habit. had lunch at the Habit and then went back to Salt Lake Central. Bob, you didn't do that, did you? You stayed it up at Ogden. I stayed up at Ogden. Well, I had the first thing I had was I was down there at the arena platform helping the people make sure they got on the right trains, make sure that um, you know that that they knew when the trains were coming, which train was what, whether it was a blue line or a green line train, so they got on the right train. Helped them. Some people who had to pay um, didn't have their five-day pass. So I was helping them with uh, putting together their fares, uh, making sure that people understood that at, from from Arena down to Salt Lake Central was the free zone, so they didn't have to pay. Um, so I was I was I was quite busy until Elizabeth showed up, and we took the uh, like she said we took that 825 train up to Ogden. <clears throat> After all of the ceremonies were over. Um, I stayed around. Uh, the, the streets were blocked off, and I was just curious to see what they had, that they had, what was going on there for the celebration. So I kind of walked around that hole, and I forget what street it was that was blocked off. I, Wall, Wall Street. Wall. Wall Street, yes. So I walked around Wall Street, looked at the, uh, looked at all the, uh, the, the vendors that were set up there, bought a bunch of souvenirs. Uh, Walked back to the station and ran into a, a, a friend of ours, the artist friend of ours, J. Craig Thorpe. Um, he had a bunch of prints that he was selling, uh, one of which was a big boy print that he basically uh, started on his own. And I was involved in, in helping him put together uh, some of the scenes that he finally used for that print. And it's actually it's an excellent print. Uh, and I highly recommend getting it. Um, and you can order it from him at jcraigthorpe.com. Um, yeah, I agree. I saw the same print. Very nice. Yes. Um, from there, it was uh, time to head back. I decided to head back. So I got on the front runner, rode back to Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake Central. Um can't remember exactly what I did after that, but Elizabeth, I met up with Elizabeth, and we went and had supper. Um, then Elizabeth and Chris went off, and they rode uh, what, what Elizabeth said they did. And I decided I wanted to go back up to Ogden because by that time it was getting into evening, 
And the crowds by that time would, were going to be gone, basically. And I figured, well, I can get a pretty good, uh, some pretty good, decent shots of 844 and 4014. So I got up there, walked over to the station, visited again with, uh, with our artist friend, J. Craig Thorpe, and then walked down to uh, the display area. And as I figured, yes, it was virtually empty. Um, and then I'm sitting there going, as I got up to there, there I going, oh, shucky dern, the sun's going to be at the wrong angle. I can't get any decent shots. But then I realized, ooh, it's also getting dusk and dark. I should be able to get some decent night shots of both locomotives. Oh. So I hung around till about um, 9.30 or so, and I got some really excellent night shots of uh, both locomotives. Um, and Ed Dickens happened to be walking around. So I spent about three or four minutes talking to him about the 4014. And then I turned around and headed back down to Ogden and back to the hotel and called it a night. Good for you. I'm going to say my stuff real fast because, believe it or not, we're already 50 minutes into the show and we still got two other big events to cover. So I'll I'll speed mine up. Um, so I uh, uh, my Wednesday started with me running late, me checking in with Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, you're supposed to be out on the platform. Bob's already down there, so I ran down there. Bob, Bob was doing an excellent job getting people on the last train. Then I helped with that. Elizabeth shows up. We all got on the light rail, head over to the front runner. When we got to the front runner station, they already said what train we rode. One thing I noticed was all the Chinese that were on the platform. And when we got on the front runner, half that train was Chinese travelers. The Chinese were, had a big uh, impression, a big presence at this day celebration and the promontory celebration. It's, it's like a coming into party for them because they had been shunned for many years uh, with this uh, event. So that was very interesting to see. So we head on up there. As soon as we get up there uh, from the front runner, we can see Big Boy staged uh, out, and then we can see 844 from the front runner. We land. We get there. I also make my way down to the celebration area and the uh, the celebration area was a, a big open parking lot south of Union Station in Ogden. Uh, you know, it was set up for what looked to be 10,000 people, but if you ask me, there may only have been 3,000 people uh, uh, on hand. Clearly, up next to the tracks where the local roads were going to meet were the bulk of the people, but all the grandstands were also full in the back. Uh, they had huge video monitors that Chris described that UP had played uh, videos about 844 and 4014 and the whole, the whole event along with uh, a cute song about the big boy. I, I can't remember how it goes, but it, it, once you hear it, you can't stop hearing it. Uh, and then lots of personalities in the crowd. One particular one stood out were the two President Lincolns that were roaming around. And I got my picture with one of the Lincolns. I also caught a picture of him on a cell phone, I said, well, how ironic is that that President Lincoln is talking on his cell phone in 2019? Um, it was interesting to see the big boy come in and meet UP844. Uh, the big staging area served two purposes. It was kind of in the center of the whole ground. Behind it to the grandstands was a huge video screen, so you could see what's going on. In front of it 
was the elevated area where all the press got there. I'm sure Mr. Ginsler was up there along with Steve Barry and all the other cameras. No, we were all right stuff. down front by the uh, – Right down front. Okay. Yeah. So so then Chris already described how the CEO they, – they made a lot of pomp and stamp speeches. CEO pulls in Big Boy. Big Boy pulls in. Gets right up to 844. And I'm going to have to tell you, everybody standing around me, we all thought or assumed that the locomotives were going to touch each other nose to nose. And, of course, that didn't happen. They pulled up and stopped, and then that big banner in the back, it said, done. And uh, and then once I saw Ed Dickens and the crew get up on the platform for all the photos, I realized they're not going to come together, and everybody just kind of went, oh, okay, I guess that's not going to happen. Well, number so, one, they could not have come together because of 844's coupler shroud wasn't opening, exposing the coupler. Oh, it wasn't. See, you saw something no, I didn't it, see. That's interesting. Yeah, from my view, you could see it. And right there, we all knew from the press that they weren't going to be coming together. Ah. But it, so, they did get nose to nose, so you could get a picture yeah, of they it. Yeah, they got close. And it, it was it was an excellent presentation. UP really did shine that day. I, You know, kudos to UP for putting on a good show. Uh, they did a fantastic job. The last thing I, I noted was, you know, I got there a little late. You know, I came on the last train, and uh, I was behind the crowd, not in the front of the crowd. So to get to the front of the crowd, I had these little buttons I was giving away, and I just kept saying, making friends, making friends. I'm handing out buttons, and that got me uh, close enough within, I guess, 15 people of the front and uh, was able to get some uh, a decent shot. So if, if you go online to Facebook and you look up these photos and that historic shot I think Steve Barry took, Showing the big boy coming in with everybody's phone up instead of a cigarette lighter, it was your phone up. Everybody's photography. I'm a speck in that photo somewhere. From there, uh, I I walked and participated in the street festival. One of the personalities I came across was actually a lady from Texas, Kerrville. Forget her name, but she was in a, an engineer outfit and she was so in love with Union Pacific. She had a big UP patch on her front. She had all the other railroads, patches down along her leg. Her purse had UP emblems on it. Her water bottle had UP emblems on it. Behind her engineer cap, she had an SP logo, and then she had a denim jacket. On the back of the denim jacket, it read, Make Trains Great Again, 4014. I just, I just thought that was amazing. So I took, I took her picture and got a picture made. Um you know, the street festival was up and down that main street. They had all kind of vendors, not many food vendors. Uh, the restaurants tried to accommodate people, but it wasn't doing a very good job. But they were selling souvenirs like crazy. Um, then I went into the Ogden Station. They had presentations going on there. The, it, was, it was a free day to go through their museum, so I went through their museum. It was packed. Um, I did catch a couple of the presentations. One was by the Chinese representative. I learned a lot in, in their effort to, to rewrite history, or should I say re-expose history, to the Chinese influence. You know, they, all we hear about the Promontory Summit and the building of the, of, the, of the railroad was there was 10,000 Chinese. Well, they're saying, no, there was a lot more than 10,000, and, and it was like 80, they're claiming 80, 90% built the west side along with some on the, on the uh, east side. 
and um, and they're bringing that story out. If everybody saw, they had a Chinese representative at the UP deal and a promontory. I want to wrap this up. So uh, the last few things I noticed was I also heard the Brigham Young presentation and how he brought the Mormons in. He didn't want the drunken uh, Irishmen coming into the Mormon area, so he sent the Mormon out east to meet them and say, we'll work for less than the Irish. Let us build the railroad and a little bit on the on the west side. I also noticed out in the festival area, L, LGB had a, had a table, and they had two G-scale uh, replica locomotives, one of the Jupiter and one of the 119, and they were running back and forth. Later I heard these locomotives cost 10000 a piece. I find that unbelievable and amazing. So I'm going I'm to let that wrap up. I spent the rest of the day just enjoying the sight smells and scene. I caught the front runner back that afternoon. Uh, Big Boy and UPA44 were still nose to nose as I passed by on the front runner heading back to the hotel. Alright, I'm done with that day. Let's move on. Um, we're at the top of the hour. This is Let's Talk Trains. We're glad you're listening with us. Our guests today are Chris Ginsler, the amazing Chris Ginsler, uh, uh, Elizabeth Alkire and uh, 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 Mr. Elizabeth Alkire, otherwise known as Bob and your host, uh, Skip Waters from Dallas. So we thank you yep. for listening to Let's Talk Trains. Yes, we sir. never did give my rail miles. It's 1,582,760.9. Excellent. All right. Yeah. All right. So that's thank taken that, care Chris. of. You're welcome. Yes, good. It is. We, got, we have it documented. All right. Now moving on to Friday. Friday was May 10th. That was a sold-out event. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's a free event, but you had to buy a, a parking ticket for your automobile or you had to buy a bus ticket. The NRHS bought eight bus tickets. Um, we, we, we were almost sold out, but, uh, the days leading up to it, I was busy on Facebook, uh, selling, uh, the last 40 seats and we sold them all, made an extra two grand and, um, uh, this was Elizabeth's coming out date for uh, bus host. And let me tell you, she did a fantastic job. I don't care what anybody says. I love Elizabeth. She did great. Red we dots forever. <laughs> yes, she did. Thank Red you, dots forever. That's right. And uh, the, the dots that made history, I think they've been retired after this event, but it was a, it was a good event. So, so uh, Chris, go on and tell us your promontory event activity. Well, I was on bus number one, so we got to face the traffic right away once we got off of the main interstate up there. And there was a Walmart truck right in front of us, and I'm just thinking, this poor guy, he just chose the wrong day to be driving this road. But when we got to the junctions with Promontory, he went that way and... You know, so I pointed out the Corinne Freight House when we came by it and showed them where the grade was coming up the valley. And all my bus people really enjoy that when I give them the information. And then when we came by the big field, I said, I hiked that over there, and I'll show you where you hike it from. So that, and then this road over here, this is the auto trail. So if you ever come back here, make sure you take that. And they go, oh, yeah, we will, we will. So then we came by all those that single flag thing, all the flags, 
So it kind of was impressive going in there. Once we got past the last of the people turning, we came right in. They but dropped us off. Now, here was the problem. We got there, and nobody knew where to go. So I'm calling John Goodman on the radio, and that's not working. So I basically take the people. We take the people, and we walk over. And, uh, okay, the railway and locomotive thing have all these seats, but they only had like 60 people. So some of our NRHS members stayed there. Some of them then followed me, and we walked all the way. Once I got a hold of John, I walked him all the way around and got him to the seats. Then I walked back and got the next group of bus people to the seats, and I walked back and got the next group of bus people to their seats, and then I got the next group of bus people back to their seats, and then I got the next bus. So I did that for seven buses (laughs) back and forth. That's how much I love my NRHS members. So then I finally had a moment where I could go get my press pass. So my press pass allowed me to be on the press stand. Well, the press stand would have been fine had they not allowed people to stand on the rails, railroad right below the press thing. But they were all up there standing to get their view. So Tom Salvo and me are sitting and going, this press thing is five feet too short. And he goes, and I go, yeah, you're right, Tom. Bad planning. So anyway, so my scenes of the promontory thing was over this sea of people, and I just shot the best I could. And I I got some decent shots of it, and then I watched the presentation of the caboose, when the caboose came between them and they did the theater Judah show. And by that point, it was now time for me to go back and try to load, get the people on bus number one. So, of course, I have all these NRHS members coming up saying, can I get on bus number one? I go, well, what number do you have? Three? No, you get on bus number three, but wait around here for bus number three to get on. First, it will be my bus, bus number one, then it will be bus number two, and bus number three. So then, you know, I had some people out there that refused to go find Elizabeth. And I said, well, then, you know, you make a choice. It's going to be the last bus for you, or you go find Elizabeth. So finally, his buddy tells him, let's go find Elizabeth. So off they went. So after I counted 58 buses go by me, that's a lot of buses, our bus number one mm-hmm. finally arrived. So I carefully counted off, making sure everybody had bus number one. All my bus number ones got on. As soon as I counted the last one and got them all on, I cl- had the driver close the door, and we took off to come back. Then bus number two followed, and we all got back. We did not leave anybody out in the Utah desert. And you know, I think I think anybody, everybody in the NRHS who was out there should thank Elizabeth because she was the one that got them all back. So good mm-hmm. job, Elizabeth. 
Thank you, Chris. Thank I you. knew you were overwhelmed, but you did it with great style. So that was Thank you. It was, a, it, it was a challenge, yes. I mean, that. I mean, I knew this would be one of the, the most challenging day of of the whole convention because you, know, you had 81 motor coaches going up. And that's 50 people each, plus over, I don't know, well over a thousand, if not more, um, private cars. You know, private vehicles. Yeah. And the final to, to count was keep... the final count was 88 buses. Hmm. Okay. Oh, really? 88 buses. That. And they would yeah. not let the buses leave until the dignitaries could fly out in their helicopters. Oh, oh don't yeah. we love dignitaries. So I was um I had quite a lot of preparatory work um to come up with a plan because the first bus left at two, we wanted the last bus to leave at four and not leave anyone behind. So my main task was to or challenge was to come up with a plan where we could keep track of everyone, um, 400 people out of goodness knows how many thousands of people. So it, my plan may have been a bit um, complicated, but it was the only way I could think of to keep track of everyone. And the infamous red dots um, with, that we put on everyone's lanyard with the bus number and 1 to 50 um, was the way we could keep track of everyone. Now, thankfully, um, Spike 150, the NRHS, and a couple of other groups had all cooperated and um, or worked out. And so, although we, the NRHS had to buy the seats, we had seating for all 400 people um, in the very warm and windy weather. So people didn't have to stand around. And I, I didn't really have a chance to hear any of the um, events and the recreation because I was too busy with lists, checking off lists and everything else. I, I didn't mind. I mean, I, I knew I would be, quote, working. And so once everything was done and people were ready to go, then they came up and checked in with me and Bob and I handed them the, their little red dots. So we came up with a plan. It was challenging. A couple, there were... In any group, you always have people who aren't as, um, you know, who, who want to do things their own way. They aren't pleased with the way things right. were done. Right. But anyway, right. that's, that's fine. To... That's how people are. So, you know, took it yeah. all in stride yeah. and carried on. Sure. But it was definitely a relief when we got on the last bus and headed home or headed back to Salt Lake City. Good. Good, good, good job, Elizabeth. My, I'm, you know, for for first time right out there, you took the bull by the horns. You put together a plan. Unfortunately, Spike 150's actions and the actions of of how they managed the bus did not work in your favor. That's okay. Right. We did get everybody home. And and the that was the most the goal, important thing. Right. I noticed the goal of your plan was a way to keep track of everyone to make sure we didn't lose them in the massive sea. Of people, which was there. So, let me move exactly. into my. And I mean, and make this quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, that, that's fine. I, I'm I'm finished. No problem. Good. Okay. So I'm gonna try to make mine quick. So uh, Elizabeth, beside me, I think the bus number three. I was the car host. The I host don't day. remember. Yeah, you were three. Uh, yeah. I was three. Good. All right. So uh, I, Chris was ahead of me, and um, I noticed. Uh, we hit the traffic jam 
And I looked at my GPS, and we were still 11 miles away when we came to a stop on the yeah. two-lane road. I was like, I was like, wow, this is going to be a day. So, but we did leave extra early. We did get there. Uh, some of the pre-activities were going on. The the little choir that was going on with the kids. Uh, there were already a mass amount of people right before the locomotives. And as Chris said, there's a there's a side track or a passing track, which is about 50 yards back. I guess the, the, the locomotives pass each other. And everybody was sitting up on that. And that was kind of a natural high rise that nobody counted on. And then, um, unfortunately, uh, well, well, first of all, we pull in. We, we, we're told our bus to get off right from the depot. We got off, as Chris already described, mass confusion of where's our seating. We weren't sure. Uh, I went and found the same RLHS group, and uh, the president told me, Skip, if you want to sit here, you can. And so I just held my bus there, my group there, until we got it figured out. Chris finally to- told me where it was, and we eventually led our group over to where it was. And we did have seating, although it was way to the left of the stage, and it said reserved for the National Royal Historical Society. The bottom line was we had a place to sit. There were a ton of people that didn't, and there were a lot of people sitting on the ground. It was hot. It was windy. So that that was a blessing. Even though you didn't get a a front row seat, you got a, a seat to sit on. So that was good. The layout was the two locomotives were already staged head-to-head, two big screens, one on the left, one on the right. Um, they had a, a, a tent somewhere before it, then that line. And then I got a picture of Chris up on the credentials stage, and you're right, uh, you're kind of even-eyed with the thing where you're, you're just looking over the, the, the crowd. Lots of I people, walked up yeah. To that, yeah, I walked up to that rail line, and I met um, – one of my rail, uh, Max Ace was there, who usually takes pictures for the NRHS. He allowed me to get up on his two-foot step ladder, so I was able to get a shot of of the crowd just before. And I see the big boom crane there, and and the live TV of, uh, feed. People. Right, right. And then um, I also uh, got a picture of Jim Wren. He was just a few people over. He was on a two-foot ladder, uh, trying to get his his shots. And then I also noted other personalities in the crowd. Again, the Chinese were present, and they were in period costume. They had the little uh, spindle-top uh, straw right yes. hat and, and their, 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 their dress code of, uh, of things. I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, uh, the fireworks show and then the flyover with the jets. And then if you look around the area, there was a, uh, an encampment of a of – a, an old stagecoach with uh, which you know which what used to be the wagon train and the TP set up. There was also, I guess, a, a version of the Hell on Wheels uh, spring up town of, of stuff. And these were play areas and sitting areas. Some of them had podiums for speeches. Truck, they had a, a food truck city, and the food actually went pretty quick. I thought that was pretty good. And then it, it, to, to close out, uh, what Elizabeth said, you know. I was part of the bus thing, and, and, and John Goodman said, everybody gets on the bus they were assigned. That was important. So everybody was following those rules. And like Chris said, we were telling people, if you don't have your dot, 
you got to go all the way to where Elizabeth was, which was way around where the seating was, get your dot, then come back, and you had to wait for the bus. So all, you know, all that is, is what it is. And Elizabeth, again, you, you did the best you possibly could. I congratulate you for weathering that storm. But here's where Thank you. it got beyond Elizabeth's capacity. They wouldn't let the buses out. No. The, 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 we sat and waited an extra 45 minutes, almost an hour, just to get bus one when we were ready to go. If, if the buses would have been on time, Elizabeth's plan would have worked flawlessly. But because the buses weren't on time, people started stacking up. And that's all I'm going to say about it. The last yeah. thing is I noticed, I noticed the UPSP buses all got out. All their buses got out before our buses got out. The only thing I can come up with that happened was whoever was monitoring the bus lot, when they saw Union Pacific on the bus, they probably thought that was Union Pacific Railroad and stuck them in the front, and they got out first. Anyway, yeah. we all got out. We made it. All right. So we got back to the uh, – that a good night, one. The only thing I can say I got, that happened is, is we're at the hotel, and there was a fireworks show about 10 o'clock yeah. out of the blue right outside the, the hotel, and everybody's like, what is going on? Well, that evening there was supposed to be a city celebration in Salt Lake City, and they had canceled it, but they didn't cancel the fireworks show. So we had a nice – Fireworks show right up front of our hotel. It was one of the uh, most everyone. impressive fireworks shows I'd have ever seen, too. I know, it and, and he walked well right outside our front door. I thought it was a shooting yeah. at first, but then of course that didn't happen. <laughs> okay, the yeah. last day. Let's let's try to get this done in the next fourteen minutes, because then we'll have thirty minutes to cover the next two topics. Um, the last day was the trip to Heber Valley. Take it away, Chris. All right, well, my bus number one, we got out to Heber. We met you, Skip. Then once I got them off the bus, told them they were free to look around. Um, I went and shot my picture of the train, so I'd have it for the story. And then I, one of the, I'd set, set on my bus, I said, if anybody wants to go down to the two stations south of, east, north of here, I'll take you. Well, one guy wanted to go see him, so I walked him down the two blocks, and he got pictures of the Heber Valley, Rio Grande original station, and the other station that was for uh, Heber City, too. So he got the bonus station pictures. Plus, he liked the picture he got of the old west town with the gallows down there. So then we came back, and then we waited to board, and I got my people on my caboose. All 12 of us. And then uh, the trip started. We went two-tenths of a mile, and then the train came off the tracks. And the rear <laughs> part of the engine came off, and the front truck of the uh, business car came off. So me being the great NRHS car host I am, I quickly found the history of the railroad in the caboose and embellished it like a child story, where I'm saying such things as, in 1939, they built the highway into the Heber Valley, and the highway then (laughs) stole all all the sheep away from the railroad because they could truck them down to market faster. Bad highway. And just had them all cracking up back there. So then, of course, then they announced the trip is not going to happen. 
So I said, okay. Walked out, got my people off the caboose, walked to my bus. My bus driver was and me got talking, and he goes, you know, Chris, we could go via Pro. I said, could we go back via Provo so they could at least see where the railroad goes? My bus driver says, well, it's not any longer to go back that way. Yeah, why don't you call John Goodman? So I called John on the radio and say, John, can my bus go back via Provo Canyon? That way I can show the people where the railroad goes, and then we can. it doesn't take any longer to go that way. And he says, sure, Chris. So my bus driver, we, we decided to go. Well, he says, Chris, I'm going to do you guys a favor. We're going to go right by the derailment. Our bus will stop. Tell everybody they can get a picture. Tell them to take turns. And so I say, okay, guys, we have a plan. We're going to stop at the derailment side. You're going to have two minutes to get your pictures. So boom, boom, boom. Okay, switch sides. Boom, 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 switch sides. Boom, 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 switch sides. So everybody got pictures of the passenger car and the rear truck of the engine derailed still. And That, uh, that then was we had, while you were on the bus, it sounds like. That was while right? we were on the bus, and then we headed the down bus, to actually. Provo Canyon, and I pointed out where the yeah. railroad went across the lake. We were going to do the first photo run by there. Then we got over by the dam, and we're going to do the next photo run by here, and here's Vivian Park. Okay, now, the railroad used to go beyond Vivian Park to Brighter Vale Falls, but a landslide happened, and the bike people put in a route where the railroad was, so the railroad could never rebuild to it. So, boom, 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 boom. Oh. Ah, here's Brighter Vale Falls for you. And then we came, got on the interstate, and said, now that's Bing- Bingham Canyon over there, and for $5, they'll take you into the canyon, and you make sure you do that if you have some time here. And then we got back to Salt Lake City, and then I immediately... When Robin got there, we left, and we drove straight to Ely, Nevada. Now, I went into the station and said we were going to stay in the bunkhouse, and the guy says, well, Chris, nobody will be here to get you into the bunkhouse until after the train comes back, and the train's up in Robinson Canyon. Okay. So we drove out to Robinson Canyon and found the train on the Y. So then we got shots of them coming off of the Y, at the sec- one of the grade crossings and then coming out of the tunnel. Then we got back to the station right after the train got there. We stopped by the White Pine Historical Society thing. They have some railroad cars, the Curry Creek Station, and a, um electric locomotive that used to be used in the, that area. And then we, from there... Went into the station, got walked over to the bunkhouse, got shown our room. We had, I had to sign a release for Robin and I to be on the property, and they said you can go any place on the property, except into the buildings unless you are asked in. So the engine had gone around the Y, and then he was coming back to the engine house. So Robin and I walked over there and got some excellent shots of him coming up to the switch, stopping to throw the switch. And then we got to watch them dump the ash out of it. And then the next day we rode the train up Robinson Canyon and 
beyond the Y, they have an Old West town where they have a shootout at the tail end of the Y where they have a shootout. And we all had a good time. And then we drove basically straight back, all the way back to Santa Ana after that. So that was my whole trip home on that one day. Well, two days. Oh, good. Well, then you covered the... You covered the rest of the trip. That's good. Elizabeth, what's your take on the Heber Valley Day trip? And Well, little did I know that that would be my first derailment. So anyway, um, again, I was bus host coordinator, so we had our morning uh, safety briefing and um, gave all the bus hosts uh, specific instructions for various things and took the buses out there. I let everyone go and take photos of everything they wanted, and, of course, I started clicking my film camera um, quite frequently to take all the photos of all the consists of everything, including that wonderful Boston and Maine GP9, and then boarded the business car because I was going to be car hosting in that car, looking forward to the to my first trip on the Heber Valley, and then we go two-tenths of a mile and we derail. But it was an open platform car, so we, you know, we had front row seats of everything that was going on, and they you know, tried to bring the re-rail equipment because, of course, the back of the train hadn't even left the station, so they were right there with right by the shops. But that didn't work, and as time went on, we realized that you know, we wouldn't be having any excursion at all. So everyone had their box lunches and then got off the train and got back on the buses, went the scenic way to um, see where we would have been going, and then all got back to the hotel, and Bob and I then rode the green line again um, before we had to return to the Radisson to be bus host for the banquet, which was up at Ogden. It was a joint banquet between the UPHS, RNLHS, and NRHS. So it was a huge. No, SP Technical Historical Society. Okay, them too. We were we were just guests. Well, yes, but it was a it was still a joint banquet, and so it was a huge room. You know, I don't know how many people there were there, and very good food, um, good speeches. The um, keynote speaker did go, to my mind, went on a little longer than he needed to. Well, it it got the topic got a little boring, um, mm-hmm. but never sure mind. Did. Um, and then that was over by about 10 o'clock, and then we all took the buses back to the hotel, and um, we checked out the next day and um, flew flew home. All Paul, right. do you want to add anything so to me... that? Not really. I mean, there's <clears throat> about – I basically did the same as Chris and Elizabeth. I I I had my bus. We got off. We everybody went around. It took pictures. I headed down to the um, uh, the car that was painted in the Rio Grande colors, the table car. Uh, we started boarding our people. Um, the one thing that was different was uh, the um, Heber Valley car host decided to hand out the box lunches basically as soon as we left. So. Uh, they started walking down and saying, what do you want? I says, I says, hold it. I says, okay, everybody who wants roast beef, raise your hand. So they went and did all the roast beef and, and so on down the line. And 
they thought that was pretty impressive because all they were going to do was walk back and forth and see who wanted what and hand them out individually. And then, like Elizabeth said, we left. We came to a screeching halt um, because we had derailed. Uh, while we were waiting around, Steve Barry came through um, with his derailment specials, as he was calling them, for the various uh, White River books that you could order. Uh, and, and then, again, we all, like Chris and Elizabeth, we all got back on our bus. We didn't have the opportunity to take pictures of the derailment, but we headed down through Provo Canyon um, and then headed back. The one interesting thing is, and, I, I, and I, um, I, I don't remember his name, but the guy who was riding in the locomotive when the train derailed, he was on our bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we started out, I, 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 I made an announcement um, that said that uh, now I hope we don't break down on the way back because the guy who was in the locomotive when the train derailed is on our bus. And, of course, that oh, got gosh. everybody chanting his name. And right, the, the right, driver right. and I were kind of joking back and forth about uh, what do we have to do if we should break down. And, and at one point I suggested, since we were right near Murray Central, I suggested to the driver, I says, why don't we make an announcement that the bus is broken down and everybody's going to have to get off and walk to Murray Central and take Front Runner back. Oh, um, my gosh. He didn't go for it. <laughs> Uh, so anyhow, we got back to Salt Lake right. City. Elizabeth, Elizabeth said we packed up and flew home back Sunday. Flew back home Sunday morning. All right, I'm gonna tell you my version as quick as I can, and we'll jump into our next two topics. Um, I uh, was also on the, the the committee crew getting there. I got there first. Buses started rolling, and Chris got him off. We the railroad told me immediately one bus at a time, so that was kind of a, a frustrating thing. Got them off, told them where the lunches were. You got the lunches. We all got on the train. I had to make sure the two cab riders got on the, the engine in the front, the guy you described. I forget his name, too. The other guy was uh, Shaq. Um, we call him Shaq. He's on the board. Anyway, Shaq and this other guy had front row seats to all the fun activity when the derailment happened. But sure enough, we're on the train. We're pulling out. I'm, you know, walking through the train, making announcements, and all of a sudden, like what in the world and i'm thinking great we hit somebody you know well we didn't hit anybody as everybody described what happened was there was a derail switch just outside the yard tracks station tracks and the rear truck of the lead engine picked the derail switch and went on the ground and took the business car on the ground with it and then we came to a screeching halt when when the engine slammed into the railroad crossing concrete abutment. And you can see all this. There were uh, a half dozen rail fans that weren't riding the train that were on the ground, caught the whole thing. The video's on the Internet. It's got tens of thousands of views. You could witness this. So as they've already described, Elizabeth uh, – we had a front row seat for the business car. It was an open heavyweight. I ran up there, John Goodman. We're looking at it. The, the railroad tells us we can get this thing derailed, give us about an hour and 15 minutes. They brought two uh, heavy loaders. They tried to lift the locomotive. They lifted it, but the, the heavy loaders couldn't move it to get back on the track. 
So eventually they annulled the train, told to get back on the bus. I had to play bad cop. Once everybody got off, they wanted to run up and get pictures, but the conductor told me we cannot have anybody up here. you got to keep them back. So I'm sorry, the NRHS members, that I had to keep you back. Some didn't obey. They still walked around, but that's what it is. They got on the bus. They went and saw the Provo Canyon. I hung around. Uh, I was able to get up and get pictures of the derail switch. They were looking at it. Got pictures of the engine, all the equipment on the ground. You know, what a mess. What a day of loss. But here's the highlight. This accident or derailment couldn't happen to a better crowd. It's probably the only train crowd of people that appreciate being in a train derailment because that was the experience of the day. Any other group would have been bailing off of this, getting in their cars and getting out of there, the train ride and all. But we, we all enjoyed it. We're in a train derailment. Isn't this awesome? Isn't this fun? And we had our lunch, and we had a good time. So uh, I just, you know. Now, financially, NRHS lost a lot of money. They're still processing uh, how the refunds, if refunds. I can't actually speak about that's going to happen, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, so uh, I didn't didn't do anything else. I went and had dinner. I went home. I rested. Done. Um, Next day uh, was the big chase for the big boy. I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to take up the rest of the time. But let me just say this. I caught Big Boy as it entered Weber Canyon, and and winging it, I got my truck right out in front. I have photos on Facebook. I led the pack for a good portion um, and and caught and and did some uh, pacing shots, six and ten minutes. I did it twice. I got yelled at on Facebook for hogging the lane. I didn't hog the lane. I was just smart enough to know how to get out front because this wasn't my first rodeo. All right, so that that pretty much is the convention. Uh, we have about 28 minutes left. Um, Chris, I'm just going to let you talk about 25 Saginaw because you were my guest. Let me set it up, and then when we're done, um, we'll move into 261. Real quick, 25 Saginaw is a rail watch event that the North Texas chapter hosts every year. Uh, for 24 hours, the Friday and Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, we start at 7 p.m. to 7 p.m. And, yep, like I said, we just sit there and watch trains go by. We count them. This year we had 57 trains. We have programming every hour. I invited Chris Ginzer to come from Southern California to be our guest. Chris put on a couple of programs for me. And um, you can go to uh, 24 Hours at Saginaw Facebook page. And you can see a bunch of videos and our schedule of events. So I won't bore you with all that information. And I also did a Let's Talk Trains uh, radio program. You can go back and listen to that on the Let's Talk Train program to learn more about it. So for the next uh, five or so minutes, Chris, tell us your experience, and then we'll move into the 261 trips. All right. Well, I got up. I flew into Texas and got there afternoon and then uh, drove immediately out to Denison and went to the Denison Railroad Museum where they have the MKT engine string of cars in the MKT station across the street. Then I drove straight up to Oklahoma City and rode the Oklahoma Streetcar. Now, the Oklahoma Streetcar is unique where in the Bricktown section it has overhead wire. So it gets its power from that and then it runs battery 
after it comes out from underneath the Santa Fe right away, the rest of the route, it's on batteries. So it's pretty ingenious how they did it. I met my good friend Bonnie up there, and then we went out to the Longhorn Steakhouse for a good steak dinner that night. Next morning, I got up early, left Bonnie's, and then I went to Fort, went to uh, Wichita Falls and found the Railroad Museum. Shot through the fence of everything they had that, that I could. This railroad may not be around much longer, from what I understood, so I wanted to make sure I got the steam engine and I got the MKT switcher there. As I was leaving Wichita Falls, I got down to Rhea, and I couldn't believe my eyes, so I pulled off and I caught a the Virginia NS Heritage Unit in at Rhea, so I got pictures of that and the train there. Caught another train as I was heading down to Fort Worth. Got to Saginaw in time to watch the southbound Heartland Flyer come through. Then I went down into Fort Worth and went to the Texas and Pacific Station and rode the new Tex Rail train out to the Fort Worth Airport. That was a lot of fun. After that, I then checked into my hotel and then I drove up to Saginaw. And we started our evening of 24 hours of Saginaw. First train we always don't count because it comes in a little bit too early is the Heartland Flyer. He came through. And then, of course, uh, BNSF came through. And then, of course, I met Jim Cronin there. And then, of course, uh, Dave, uh, let me make sure I get his name correct. Dave Winf. No, my picture's not coming in fast enough. But yeah, here it is. Dave Wingard from New Mexico showed his Santa Fe early Amtrak in Rock Island, and he had his friend's uniform that he also had. And so he put on an excellent program. Unfortunately, the slide projector wasn't there yet, so he did it just as a talkie, and he was fascinating. Okay, so then the next morning I got there and we had, right away, we had the 8882 UP come through and then there was a horn, live horn demonstration by Ken Fitzgerald. And then uh, we played the Great Locomotive Race Trivia Game and I had the Santa Fe train and I took second, which wasn't bad for me. And then we had more freight trains and then pictures of that Heartland Flyer and that was that, and I always have a good time at 24 hours of Saginaw. The next thing I did two weekends ago, I took the PRS National Forum down to San Diego, so I drove up to L.A. and took their nice sleeping car, had an open section where Chris Parker and I was, and then we did the Harbor, Harbor Tour on the spirit of San Diego, and you do the complete tour, you get both ends of the harbor, and it's a good way to see all the stuff along the harbor. And if you do the complete harbor tour, they take you out to Port Loma first, come back in, pick up more people, then you go underneath the Coronado Bridge, you see the BNSF yard off to the side, and then you get all the Navy boats down there. So it's a real nice little tour they did. We rode the trolley like we did, went to the Black Angus, which was a disaster, and then took the train back to Los Angeles. 
So then I flew up to Minneapolis last Friday. The first thing I did was I took the light rail all the way from uh, 24th Street to um, St. Paul and then came back and got on the North Star 1903 at Target Field. Then I took the, that train out to Big Lake, and at Big Lake I had the BNSF 2312 and the now 1910 train to take me back to Minneapolis. Saw the Milwaukee Road 261 when we went by both ways, and also saw the stored power in the BNSF yard at Northtown, and then came back to 24th Street and drove to my usual hotel in Salt Lake in in uh, Bloomington. So then the next morning I got up and drove over to the Dakota Ridge Hotel, picked up Elizabeth and drove her over to St. Paul Union Station where she got on the light rail that would be the green line. And she took that back to a stop I arranged for her to get off at. Then we drove down... Fairview Avenue, where I picked her up. We went to McDonald's, picked up, stopped by Walmart to get a uh, card reader for my computer to, so I could get the pictures in. And then we drove down to the 261, where we first shot the brand-new Milwaukee Roadie unit, now number 101, which used to be the Wisconsin Central 32A, and then walked to the other end of the train on this very nice morning for the Milwaukee Road 261 and then due to the fact that the Milwaukee Road Historical Society had bought all the coach tickets they took the people who had regular coach tickets and put us in the Fox River car which was a lounge car which had these real nice comfy seats so we got to ride in that car the whole way to Glencoe well we just didn't go to Glencoe well, we'll get to that in a second. Well, before the trip started, the Empire Builder came in through Minneapolis, and um, we got pictures of it passing the 261, or meeting the 261. And then, as we took the train out, we went through Glencoe. The train didn't stop, and we got 10.3 more miles off the Brown Town where they did a photo run by with the Milwaukee Road 261. And then we managed to get the E units coming back before we headed back to the Twin Cities. Elizabeth, what was your impressions of that day? Well, the, the whole trip was fantastic, and to get the um, the extra rare mileage was a definite bonus. But it had been 13 years since my last excursion behind 261, and my aunt had passed away last August, and I wanted to do something in her memory. And she was very influential in my life. And so I decided to um, do these two, the two 261 trips. It was all new mileage for me. So um found out that Chris was going to be on it as well, which was excellent. And so, yes, was able to ride the Metro Light Rail for the first time, did the first part of it in the morning, the first 5.2 miles, and then did the rest of the green line and all of the blue line uh, after the uh, excursion. So it was great to see 261 again, and the particularly 
well, the steam engine and all the PVs, especially the Superdome and Cedar Rapids, two of my favorite PVs. Many fond memories of riding in the Cedar Rapids a couple of times a number of years ago. And I'm very partial to E units and F units, so to see the the 101 or the 32A, um, you know, up close and personal for the first time, that was excellent. And it was very nice to be upgraded to the Fox River Valley, although I wouldn't have minded coach anyway. I'm, I'm on a train. I don't mind where I am. As long as I've got access to a vestibule or an open car or an open door baggage car, I'm happy. But it was nice to be in the Fox River Valley and good good car host in that car. And then just to spend time, you know, walking the train a bit, um, hearing all the sounds and the, and the whistle and everything else. Always a big smile on my face when I hear a steam engine whistle. And then the bonus uh, 10.3 miles uh, out to Brownton and the, the excellent run by. So that was just the, the first of two fantastic days of trips behind the 261. And that group always puts on excellent trips anyway. Yes, they do. And, of course, then I dropped her back out at the Dakota Ridge and went back to my usual hotel in the Twin Cities. So the next morning I got up at my usual hotel by myself and I uh, went over to Dakota Ridge, picked her up, and took her by the mini ha-ha station just because I needed a good laugh. No, not really, so she could get a picture of the station. (laughs) So then we... um, went down and we were going to board the train and this morning I decided just to shoot a train from where we are going to board picture of the train where we are going to board with its steaming in front of us which it was doing at that point so we sat in the line for the coach passengers we got on the Nokomis an old friend of mine and then we figured out this was my 32nd day trip with the 261 group Wow. So over all the years I've been doing this, 32 day trips with them, so they're my most of any steam group I've ever done. So <laughs> on this day, let's see here, the rain waited until we started going, so I had Elizabeth in the vestibule, and we shot pictures of them going around the corner at the Y at Minneapolis Junction, and then... Uh, we we were in the vestibule for the coming on to the new mileage at Norwood. And then when we got over to um, Hamburg, we did a great double photo run by. And 261 really smoked it up nicely. And then, Elizabeth, what do you remember about that day? Oh, everything. I mean, that was another fantastic day and, you know, new mileage and we, we knew it was going to be rare mileage anyway. But um, I think the probably the highlight was the double run by. Never, didn't expect a double run by. And so I was able to call my mother up in Victoria, Canada, and let her hear 261, which she was really impressed with. And so that was one one run by. And then, of course, I was taking pictures anyway. So that was it was just fantastic to have the double run by, and the whole the whole trip. Um, even you know, yes, it was a bit wet and rainy on the way out, but it, the rain stopped and we just had a great time. Um, just yeah, just had another fantastic excursion with 261 and the crew. Yes, we did, and of course, a lot. I have a lot of friends on that crew. I found out, and they were all very happy that I had come all that way to ride with them. And uh, we didn't go all the way to Winthrop, and here's why we didn't go to Winthrop. 
they looked at the <clears throat> Doppler radar from the train, and it said at 6 p.m. it would be pouring down rain at Minneapolis Junction. So they made the choice of not going to Winthrop. We were five miles from it and then heading back. And once we got back, we walked to our car, and it wasn't raining. Now, when we got on the 55 little freeway thing, it started to rain, and then I dropped Elizabeth off at the airport. And then the next, so she flew home Sunday night. I had to hang around until Monday night, so my morning started off by me getting up, and then, of course, I had the hotel breakfast, and then uh, I took the rental car back at 11 and then hung around the airport for about six hours. I went to Chili's and had a hamburger and then went to the gate, and it was uh, wrong. Not the gate, but the gate where the plane might have come in. Then they finally put up to the gate plane was coming into G6, so I go over to G6, and then they announce on the little screen, this flight's been canceled to D6. So it's like, oh, oh. my God. D6 is all the way on the other side of that airport. Oh. So with my bad knees, I walked out. I found some guy with a card. I said, can you drive me over to the D6 gate? And he says, well, I'm going on break. I go, I'll make it worth your while. So he drives me over there, and I give him a couple bucks, and then I said, thank you, sir, you saved me. And he goes, oh, that's my job to save people. I go, you have a good job then. And then I got on the plane, and we flew back, and so that was that. I I, I want to interject. uh, Chris, for the listening audience, the first time I met Chris Kinsler, first person I heard about Chris by listening to Lex Talk trains many years ago. And then I attended the uh, NRHS convention in Minneapolis, whatever year that was. I don't know, 05? Oh, we oh, can find out. Hold on, I'll tell you. Yeah. And and so I was out chasing 261 and I think the Canadian unit, the yeah. Hudson. Or, we were chasing the doubleheader, a bunch of them. Yeah, the Yeah, and, and I don't know, it was some bluff. We pulled over. And Chris was taking shots, and I saw Chris's trademark red, puffy hair, and and uh, was taking shots. And I said, "Hey, I know you, and and who are you?" And they go, "I'm Skip Waters, and Chris Gensler, and I hear you on Let's Talk Trains all the time, and blah, 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 blah." And and uh, so we met each other there. But the the other amazing thing that happened that same weekend was uh, we also then went and rode the 261 on a trip that was leaving down by the river. And Chris was up in the coach area, and I was walking around, and the Cedar Rapids was in the in the back of this train, and I noticed there was nobody in it. Apparently, there was an ex- excursion previous to this particular run, and it was being used. So I yeah, we were about we were this. on that short line hill excursion. Yeah, so I I inquired about the Cedar Rapids amongst the crew, and they said, no, nobody's in it. I said, well, how can I ride in it? I said, for an extra twenty five bucks, you can go back there. So. I, I made a beeline up to Chris. I said, Chris, you want to ride in the Cedar Rapids? He goes, of course. He goes, just another 25 bucks. So we went back. We paid our 25 bucks. We went back to Cedar Rapids. There was nobody back there. Me and Chris sat at the very back in the big glass dome. And, and eventually, um, what's his name? Who's the engineer? Uh, Doyle McCormick. 
Doyle McCormick comes back there with his crew. And next thing you know, we're all riding. Big fat cat is pretty. Back in the big seats with Doyle McCormick swapping railroad stories and whatnot. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, this is amazing. And with Doyle McCormick and with Chris Gensler, the amazing mile guy, you know, you hadn't hit a million miles yet at that point. But that was no. that was my first encounter of the amazing uh, Chris Well, Gensler. funny thing was Doyle McCormick was an engineer on that 20, that CP engine when we went to Portal for four days. Mm. It took us four days to get to Portal. And so the second morning out of Glenwood, I said, hey, Doyle, is there any way we could do a photo run by with this engine? And he goes, well, yeah, uh, I don't have any power here, but Doyle, you forget who you are. If it comes from Doyle McCormick, world-famous engineer of the 4449, the CP will listen to you. So he says, okay, I'll try. So he does it. We do a photo run by. Well, the CP liked doing it so much that they said, okay, hold on. We're going to do another run by down here. So I had the crew on the train. I go, who of you stayed on the train for this run by? Okay, you guys get off with us. And the guys who got off before, you stay on, okay? So they got off. Well, after that, they all came up to me and said, Chris, thank you so much. I go, for what? For for, for Jesse Doyle said that idea came from you. And I said, well, they had never seen their engine from the ground going by them. In all the miles they had been with the CP crew, they had never seen the engine on the ground go by them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Hey, we got a few minutes left. Uh, I want, I forgot one little snippet of the convention I wanted to mention. Um, Elizabeth mentioned, And I'd like to uh, add something, something else, if you may, if oh. I may, when you get a chance. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, let me, okay. let me tell my part, and I'll let you close out the show, Bob. Well, this, 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 this um, will be – oh, go ahead. You you say your part. Okay. The, the banquet. I did attend the banquet. Um, Elizabeth, there were 700 people in that room. There were four organizations, the NRHS, the RLHNS, the Union Pacific Historical Society, and the Southern Pacific Technical and Historical Society. And it originally was an SP banquet, then joined by the UP because they had a joint convention. And then, then the NRHS and RLHS was invited to attend. It was probably the largest mass of foamers or rail fans or historians in one spot. If you wanted to take out a bunch of us, that was the day to do it. Thank God you didn't. The first speaker was the president of the NRHS, Al Weber. Al Weber did a good job. He basically talked about just the generalization of uh, preserving history and that we need to get the word out to the young people to join and participate. The next speaker was the RLHNS, uh, Robert Holzweitz. Robert was a little more, uh, you know, professional, studious, I guess. I don't know how how to say it, more serious, a little more philosophy in preserving and maintaining rail history and, 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 and also the importance of getting the young people. And then we moved into the uh, Southern Pacific um, group, and uh, they had just elected a new president, so the old president came up and said a few words, and, and then the UP president came up. And when the UP president got up, it kind of turned into a, a folksy thing, 
it, it kind of felt like you were in a club meeting now because he was introducing all his buddies and and it, it really wasn't he really wasn't addressing the crowd or paid attention to the uniqueness of the crowd. And then of course we did have our uh, keynote speaker who was uh, an excellent speaker for the topic that he was pulled to speak about, but I don't think it was the right topic for the crowd because it was SP specific in his joint. A lot of graphs, a lot of bar charts, a lot of a lot of numbers. No, very little photos, very little flair to it, and it put everybody to sleep, as Elizabeth said. So it was probably better off to be a clinic in the SP convention, not so much a keynote speaker. Um, so you know they missed the mark there. That's my opinion, um, and it is what it is. But but it did culminate the whole Spike 150 experience with all the rail fans coming together. And that was an amazing moment unto itself. And then uh, we did get all the buses. We did go home. But believe it or not, Elizabeth, you might not have heard this, but we did leave one guy. I don't know. Is he straggling? Is he in the bathroom? I don't know what his deal was. But he missed the bus. He thought we weren't going to leave to a certain time, which we learned our lesson from Promontory. As soon as we loaded him, we got out of there. You know, so Yeah, that was yeah I did hear about that, yes. Oh, you did, yeah. Well, he yeah. got home on the front row a little later than he planned. All right, Mr. Bob Alkire, Miss, Mr. Elizabeth Alkire, go ahead. <laughs> well, while Chris and Elizabeth were gallivanting around the Twin Cities, riding behind the 261, I drove down to Issaquah, where there is uh, the Issaquah Historical Society, and they have a historic trolley that they are operating. So I spent the weekend down there uh, getting qualified as a conductor and getting qualified as a motorman on the Issaquah Valley Trolley. Oh, that's nice. So in addition to being a a qualified motorman up at the Fraser Valley Heritage Railway up in, in Surrey, British Columbia, I will also be certified to operate the uh, the Heritage Trolley now down uh, in Issaquah also, in addition to... Um, the the duties that I perform for the Great Northern and Cascade Live Steam Group. Very good, very good. Okay, right, last guys, thing, I, couple... last thing I, ahead, I want to mention is next year's NRHS convention people are going to be in Buena Park, California. Yeah. Uh, it's Southern California. Uh, Fullerton is kind of the name we're working with, but Buena Park is correct. We're going to be staying in the Knott's Ferry Farm uh, uh Motel Hotel, whatever that resort hotel. Uh, the, the, all that information will be released February 1. Uh, be sure to, to jump on the rates, 119 a room. Uh, it will not serve you to call now. They will not give you that rate now. You'll have to wait till NRHS announced it. We learned our lesson about announcing things too quickly. Uh, we'll be hitting the Orange Empire Railroad Museum, the uh, was it, Fillmore and Western. We're going to hit Rail Giants, Travel Town, um, among other sites uh down there uh we got a lot planned chris is from that area he's helping us with a lot of that and elizabeth will be back in charge of making sure people get on and off the buses we're gonna have a lot to do in southern california and those dates are early june i think it's uh six seven eight and nine i mean uh, no it's june 9th to 9th the 13th thank you june 9th to 13th will be the 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 dates the next NRHS function, if you want to participate, is in Dallas, Texas, uh, November 7th, 8th, and 9th. The main thing about that is 
On the Thursday the 7th, we're going to see the NRHS archives at the Gallia Library at SMU. That evening, Friday all day, we're going to ride all the commuter rail in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Tex Rail, DART, uh, Trinity Rail, and the Dallas Streetcar. Uh, if you want, you can go ride the Denton commuter rail, or you can jump on the bus and head to the Museum of the American Railroad to see Big Boy 4018, the rail exhibit Traintopia. And then on Sunday of that weekend, we're going to, uh, if you stick around, most people leave, we're going to ride the Grapevine Ventures Railway. So that, that information will be found at NRHS.com. We have 30 seconds left. Anything else anybody want to say? Well, if you've nope. never been to an NRHS convention, come to the one next year, and you get to meet a, the f- five of us, and oh, four of us probably, and you're going to meet some new friends. Excellent, excellent commercial. All right, with that said, this is the Lex Talks Train Show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Mrs. Uh, Mr. Elizabeth, I mean Bob, for participating in the show. This will be on... Broadcast, Facebook, wherever you find Let's Talk Trains. The show is now off the air. We'll see you next time. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye.